Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Sunday, November the 12th, 2023. The headlines today, of course, remain dominated by what's happening in Gaza. New York Times leads with, uh, and we're talking here at uh, 8.30 a.m. Pacific time on, on the 12th, so God knows what will happen later today. Uh, a major Gaza ho hospital is out of service, according to the New York Times. Um, the BBC also leads with this story about the hospital. Um, meanwhile, The Guardian reports that Hamas is suspending hostage negotiations with Israel uh, after the encircling of, of the hospital, the same hospital perhaps. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering whether they really are suspending or whether they can determine these negotiations. Meanwhile, there are other interesting stories around the world. There's a major march in France, a French march against anti-Semitism, shaking up the far right and left. Um, interestingly enough, it's a march which includes um, Marine Le Pen, the notorious so-called far right leader in France, but not the far right, not the far left uh, leader, Mélenchon. So this crisis in uh in Gaza seems to have, have triggered lots of domestic, cultural, political crises around the world. One man who has spent much of his life looking at all this stuff is my guest today, Asaf Gavron. He's one of Israel's best known and most um, illustrious writers. Um, he has all sorts of interesting pieces and books. His latest book, uh, or his best-known book is The Hilltop, which some of you may be familiar with. Um, he, he wrote a piece uh, a few years ago suggesting uh, the importance of airing Israel's dirty laundry abroad. But I wonder, uh, Asaf, he's talking to us from um, his home in Tel Aviv. I wonder, Asaf, whether the countries around the world, the United States, France, Germany, the United Kingdom, they're airing their dirty laundry in Israel. Uh, what's happening? It seems very odd. In what way do you mean? Their criticism of, of Israel? Like the Not French, their criticism, uh, but what's happening, uh, for example, in France, where is this latest crisis an excuse for the realignment, the rearrangement of politics in Europe, where... Uh, Le Pen is supposedly the enlightened one because she's marching against anti-Semitism, whereas Mélenchon isn't. In other words, maybe let me rephrase the question. I wasn't as clear as I should have been. What's the view from Tel Aviv of what's happening in Europe and the United States in, in the context of the latest catastrophe in Gaza, Israel? Um, I, I mean, Israelis are very much looking out from day one or day two. I mean, of course, as well as grieving and, and dealing with the enormous event 
that happened on May 7th, very quickly, uh, you know, people turn up to, okay, what, what is everyone saying about us? Who is with us? Who is against us? Mm. And um, quickly, um, you know, people started to be disappointed with uh, or critical of people outside not um, not uh, um, <clears throat> criticizing or denouncing Hamas and its actions quickly enough or strongly enough. For example, foot, football clubs, soccer clubs in England, who who uh, who said in his official in their official uh, um, announcement, we grieve uh, or we we stand with uh, um, with uh, innocent lives lost on on both sides in Gaza and Israel, and who specifically criticized Hamas, and those who kind of did a, a symmetrical or balanced. Um, you know, sharing of, of, of pain and, and, and understanding, they were uh, immediately uh, seen as, um, you know, abandoning Israel. In a sense, if I stick with this football club uh, example, Liverpool supporters say, I don't support Liverpool anymore because Liverpool uh, did not uh, only criticize Hamas for the massacre in October, but also sympathized with innocent lives lost in Gaza. So that's one example, and of course it goes across um, every, uh, uh, you know, all, all, all the protests abroad, um, and of course watching very closely what uh, leaders are saying, and what oppositions are saying, and what, uh, you know, people like Marine Le Pen, and, and it creates this, <laughs> this kind of almost um, ridiculous uh, situation where someone like Marine Le Pen is, is now a hero, and a heroine in, in Israel because she's uh, against the anti-Semitism. Of course, she's more anti-Muslim than anti-Jewish. I guess that's the reason for that. But we're not, we don't need to go into specific... Uh, yeah. Examples, but very much people in Israel are concerned uh, about what people are saying abroad about about the situation here. It's uh, ideal material for uh, novelists, edgy novelists like yourself. One could imagine even Adolf Hitler probably mm -hmm. marching as sympathetic to Israel. <laughs> uh, and, and you mentioned um, English football, which is always another perennial subject which interests me um you mentioned liverpool football club there was a a, a player who played for manchester city called mario Bar balotelli an italian who was always getting into trouble yeah he wore this uh why always me anytime anything happened whether he was sent off or scored a goal he would he would put this t-shirt why always me why always me when it comes to the jews what have the jews done either good or bad to always put themselves in the middle of everything why are they the uh the the the, the global equivalent of mario balotelli <laughs> that's an interesting comparison um you know it's a question i've been asking myself uh many years um i i try to to be a little humble and say, okay, for us Israelis, we think that everyone is only concerned about us. 
but probably people are as concerned about other places in the world but it seems that there is um, something very um, <clears throat> um, you know it's like this fire that is burning always in the Middle East that uh, that um, you know begs the attention of, of everyone you know I think one reason is the the religion thing that it's a very uh you know the most important um kind of location for uh, christians where jesus was born and and and, and the holy uh, churches related to, to to that and the muslims of course and the jews of course so that's one thing because religion is always like we see in this current uh, uh these, these events in the last month religion is is many times behind a lot of of the mess that is going on um i don't know i i don't want to say that you know everyone is the jews and the jews are this and the jews are that there is something about um about the state of israel that is um that is that is kind of it's 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 uh I don't know. It's it's an emotional thing. It, it seems uh, that everyone is is really um, concerned about it. Really, really uh, cares cares about it. And yeah, um, I don't know. It, it it is interesting, as you say. It seems to it's become the thing that triggers something in everyone. We mentioned uh, Le Pen now marching sympathetic to Israel and presumably the Jews and. Um, critical of anti-Semitism. Meanwhile, um, Mélenchon on the left has refused to join the march. You're a man, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, you're a man historically of the left, uh, very critical of the Israeli state and blah, blah, blah. We've had many shows on this sort of thing. How do you yeah. feel about the fact that it, it seems as if it's the, the Mélenchons of the world rather than the Marine Le Pen's? who have turned against Israel and have seemed to confuse anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism? Well, first, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm critical of the Israeli state. I'm critical of the, of the Israeli government, of, of most Israeli governments that, uh, that were in charge through my, my lifetime or at least my, life, my adult lifetime and definitely this current government. I'm not uh, against the state of Israel. I'm an Israeli. I, I live here, and, and this is my home. And I, I um, <clears throat> and I think that um, we have the right to live here, and the state of Israel has the right to exist. Um, definitely. Um, I, I would say also, um, just before I answer this question regarding the last one, why? why Israel is, is so, it is, I, I think that the current, um, the current events are really extreme. I mean, a massacre of 1400 people um, is, um, is not something uh, that happens a lot. Yeah, it does. It, it did and does happen in other countries, but uh, I, I, you know, it's not astonishing to me that the eyes of the world have turned 
and of course the retaliation, which again, which also results in in thousands of deaths. Um, also, I think that there is something about Israel, and I'm still with the previous question: why why Israel? There's something about Israel that the West sees Israel as part of it. So it's not like some, you know, African country where where there's a coup or militias are fighting each other. And for the Western world, it seems somewhere else, somewhere far away. Um, here, it's, it seems like, you know, a, a, a liberal Western country that something like this happen, happens, I think um, that it, it also makes it more, um, you know, more, more uh, concerning and a, a bigger, a bigger issue. A bigger yeah, there's this personalization. Why always me? And just as the West, yeah. and I'm, I'm using your language here, sees, uh, sees Israel as part of the West. So the left, and particularly people like Mélenchon in France, yeah. many others elsewhere around the world, see Israel as the manifestation of Western colonialism. Is that the, do you think the reason why so many people on the left now are so critical of Israel? How many people? Um, I mean, you hear a lot about it. You see the protests and you hear uh, stories about people on the left. Um, but I wonder how, how big of a phenomenon it really is. Um, I think a lot of it is, is just the oversimplification of, of, um, of what's happening and there are reasons for this, this oversimplification. But I, I'll, I'll talk first of what this oversimplification is. It's, it's the need to take sides. It's, um, okay, if, if I'm with this side, then if I'm with the Palestinians, then I criticize Israel. But what if the Palestinians, and it's a failure to recognize that the Palestinians, Hamas is one thing, and, and the Palestinian people is a different thing, exactly like there's a failure to recognize that uh, the leadership of Israel and the extreme ministers and Netanyahu are, are one thing and the, and the people of Israel is another thing. So I think people, they take the easy path, they take the easy route and they say, okay, Israel is occupying. In that, in that case, I am uh, with the Palestinians in free Palestine and I don't show, I, 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 don't, I fail to show up to the anti-Semitism uh, rally in, in Paris or whatever. Um, whereas, um, you know, I myself was an Israeli. I don't, I, 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 I'm against the occupation. I wish for it to end. I think we have treated Palestinians in a way that hurt both them and us over the years. I think this treatment 
is one of the reasons that led us up to this to this horrible day of October 7th. But at the same time, uh, it doesn't mean that October 7th wasn't uh, a barbaric act um, by Palestinians, by uh, a group of, of Palestinians, by Hamas. And the Hamas should be um, fought against and as much as possible. And that's another question, if it's possible. I don't believe it is. Uh, eliminate them from uh, from the face of the earth by so uh, 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 you know someone like this French uh, uh, left wing leader that Melanchon Melanchon he he finds it hard to contain this complexity of saying I believe Israel should not uh, bomb uh, uh, Gaza mindlessly and kill uh, innocent children and women and so on. But I also call Hamas to return the hostages. And I call the Palestinian people who are suffering by the hands of Hamas to do what they can. And I will help them to do what they can to get rid of Hamas. They cannot contain both messages in the same body, it seems like people like that. And I think this oversimplification is very, very dangerous. And it's, it's, it's part of our current world, you know, and you could say it's the social media, and it's this, you know, inner bubbles that people create for themselves that they hear only one side and only their side, and their feed on uh, Twitter or Instagram or whatever. And it, it creates these bubbles that people um, are not even able to hold a complex frame of mind uh, in themselves. And this is very dangerous and very, very sad. And when you see people like that, it's, it's sometimes very pathetic also. We are speaking with Asaf Gavron. Uh, many of you will know him as the author of The Hilltop, one of the most acclaimed Israeli contemporary novelists. Uh, Asaf, you, you talked about containing both messages in the same body. I mean, could one go to one of these demonstrations in the morning, critical of Israel, and another in the afternoon, critical of anti-Semitism? Or is that a bit facile? Maybe that's, uh, I mean, describing it like that, but I expect a leader to say, um, I, you know, I, I, I wish, say, if that's what he wishes, for a ceasefire, and I want Israel to stop uh, bombing uh, Gaza because it kills thousands of innocent people, but, but Hamas must, release the hostages now and Hamas are deplorable for what they did and to recognize the difference between going into villages of civilians and killing and murdering babies and, and children and old people and kidnapping them um, I think it's it's 
it's not too much to ask for someone, for a person to recognize that, um, first of all, Israel had no choice but to retaliate. And secondly, that Israel's retaliation, with all its, its heavy losses, and I'm not saying that I'm not saying that it's perfect and it couldn't be done differently. I'm not sure how it could be done exactly, but uh, it's it's not the same. And um, if people cannot, uh, I, I think many people can understand this and do understand this. And we hear a lot about the, you know, those um, those. I think small groups that um, that are very one-sided. And I think we sh we should try not to give them too much attention, and to try and tell the complex story, complex story where no one is is um, is really a hundred percent good, and no one is a hundred percent bad, and it's not a world of. Uh, you know, only one color, only two colors. Um, there are many shades and there are many colors and every person holds um, a complex um, mechanism. Same goes for organizations and for countries and, and um, and I hope that that most people are able to understand that. Uh, you talk about telling the complex story, the many shades and colors, which is, of course, the job of a novelist like you, the telling of complicated stories in an engaging, meaningful way. Is what happened in October, is it different from the main story? You've been covering this main story for, for years, most of your adult life, certainly as a writer. Um, you, you wrote something in the Washington Post back in 2015, Confessions of an Israeli Traitor. The occupation is destroying our own society too. It was a very controversial, <coughs> the most, most read pieces of the year. It, it is, what is happening, is it? When you think about it as a novelist, is this the, the climax of the story? Can it go anywhere else? Or is it a different story? That's a, a good question. It's different in the sense that um, the scale of it is something we have not experienced ever in the, in the history of Israel and um, the effect of it on society is different and uh, we, we have yet to see the effect it will have on you know things like different solutions or different scenarios different status but I think <clears throat> But the scale was so big that it could be a game changer. I'm not sure in what way. I think it could be eventually a game changer in a good way. I'm saying it very carefully. But um, 
I think that um, we we cannot we can go on with what Netanyahu called managing the conflict, like you know keeping it unresolved and suffering a few attacks here and there, a few rockets here and there, a few murders here and there, but uh, managing to to have a relatively prosperous country with easy life for most Jews, uh, most Israelis. And um, I think we now know that we cannot do that. We cannot continue just rolling with it, forgetting that there is another people um, under our control, under our occupation, and that we will somehow get, get through. <clears throat> so I, I think it's different in that it will, uh, again, I might be wrong, but it could uh, force a change, uh, or at least another attempt, another attempt um, for a solution. Because we tried with the violence so many times, with the wars we tried many times, and it doesn't get us to any any better place. Tried peace a few times. Some of them worked not bad with Egypt, with Jordan. We tried with the Palestinians once. It worked. Um, it didn't work. You, if to say it simply, although some things did. Uh, but okay, I accept it didn't work. Let's try again. Let's try for a second time, only for the second time. We tried the, the, the war way, we tried eight, nine, ten, twenty times. And it doesn't bring us any closer. So, so you're asking if it's, uh, if it's more of the same or different. I, uh, it's early to say. If we, go, if we go back to square one and there's um, another few weeks of uh, Israeli army in Gaza and they hurt Hamas, uh, but eventually there's a ceasefire. And we go back and we rebuild all the villages and communities that were destroyed. And we managed to put some kind of barrier, of course, much more army on the border and stuff. And it goes on, then, then it, it, it will end up being more of the same. But my guess is that it's not going to happen like that. We cannot go back to square one on this one. We are talking with Asaf Devron, the author of The Hilltop and one of Israel's um, best, most acclaimed novelists. I want to thank um, Liberties, a quarterly journal of culture and politics, for helping bring us really high-quality guests like Asaf. Uh, I'm going to run a short ad for Liberties, and then we'll be back to talk more about trying again, how what happened last month in Israel might be a good changer, uh, a, a game changer in a good way, according to Asaf Kogron. So we'll be back in a second. Beyond the news, the noise, there is nuance, insight. 
Liberty's it's not just a journal of ideas. It's a meteor of intelligent substance. It's the place to be for engaged citizens. Politics, opinion, substance. Liberty's is a triumph for freedom of thought. A quarterly of urgency, of cultural exploration, of intellectual delight, of immaculate prose. It's invaluable. Subscribe now or find Liberties at your favorite bookseller. And you can subscribe to Liberties at libertiesjournal.com. We are speaking with Asaf Avron, the author of The Hilltop from Tel Aviv, uh, one of Israel's most distinguished contemporary journalists. Asaf, before the break, you talked about trying again. Um, uh, Einstein, of course, famously said uh, one definition of insanity uh, is, is trying again and failing similarly. How can we try again in a different way? What have we learned from the last 50 years that we can perhaps try again and fix this problem, perhaps the most intractable, intractable problem in the world today in a way that's different from the way we've tried in the past? What we learned, uh, I mean, of course, everyone will tell you they learned different things, you know. Uh, the right wing in Israel will tell you that we learned that we can never trust the Palestinians and the Palestinians only want to destroy us, annihilate us, and we could never reach an agreement with them, and that we are bound to fight them forever and to be in a war situation forever. And that's how it is. And that's how it could be. And we just need to be the strongest possible and to hurt them as much as possible so that they will not dare raise their hands again. That That's uh, gen generalizing a bit, but I don't think that people on the right in Israel would uh, contradict um, I learned something else. I didn't learn that. I learned that um, uh, that trying to stay in a, in a status of, of non-resolution and to continue the conflict, to try to keep it on, on, the, on the low flame, on the low heat um, and to leave things as they are, the West Bank under occupation, Gaza under siege, um, and, and expect the Palestinian to accept it. Uh, I think we learned that, that, that this is not possible. Look, if, if there was a uh, for the last 20 years, um, a government led by the left, and there would be peace with the Palestinians, and there would be a Palestinian state, and then this would happen, then I would admit, we failed. We were wrong. If this happened after we had peace, after we had a Palestinian state, after we, we, we were moderate and tried to accept, then we failed, but that's not what we had in the last 20 years or 75 years. What we had in the last 20 years is a right-wing government, no peace, no Palestinian state, 
no solution. And moreover, um, trying more and more to push the solution away as if, as if it will disappear somewhere. And to do, and the government and Netanyahu doing whatever's in their power to separate the Palestinians to West Bank and Gaza, to Palestinian Authority and Hamas, to strangle Hamas because they were a, an extreme organization who doesn't, who wants to annihilate Israel, because that works with staying away from a solution, staying away from the moderates, staying away from, from those Palestinians who can negotiate, who can talk. And this was the policy, and this was the concept for decades. That's what, what failed on October 7th. That's what was proven to be wrong. So the way is, first of all, to have security for those, for the whole of Israel, but especially those villages and communities on the borders, on the north and in the south that are currently evacuated. Tens of thousands, if not, if not a hundred of thousands people currently evacuated. First of all, restore security and enable them to go back home and rebuild the, the, the places where destroyed. Secondly, hostages. Or even firstly, let, let's say those two together. We must bring them back. We cannot accept 240 people, including babies and, and old people and old people and women and um, to be held hostages. And after that, hurt Hamas as much as possible. And I, I'm, I'm not sure if a ceasefire is, is wanted at this point or not. And, you know, as a lefty, you would expect me to say, yes, ceasefire, I'm against death, I'm against killing innocents and so on. But we had no choice. We, we could not not answer, not retaliate to what happened. Hamas gave us no choice and Hamas has le have led their own people um, with, with the full consciousness into what they are suffering now. So hurting them as much as possible, I don't think we can completely eradicate them. I think that's a fantasy that many Israelis have, including our, you know, our defense minister and our prime minister. But this fantasy is not possible, but hurting them as much as possible. And then after we hurt them and hopefully topple them off, off uh, governing Gaza, then trying to find the, the moderate Palestinians, if they will be willing. And of course, as much as help as possible from the US, from Europe, from uh, Arab countries like Saudi Arabia and, and uh, whoever would help. Um, and uh, maybe for a while to, to have a kind of, some kind of international uh, ruling of, of the zone of the Gaza Strip. But eventually 
to reach some agreement with Palestinians, with moderate Palestinians, with the Palestinian Authority who who were on who were at the table, who were discussing. And it's not only our fault that it didn't that it failed. It failed because of both sides. But there were some agreements, there was some success, there were possibilities, it's worth trying again. Uh, but I'm talking about a very long term and, and I might even be fantasizing myself. It might not be possible at all. Yeah, you don't sound very convinced. And going back to that Einstein quote about insanity being trying to fix a problem in the same way and continually failing, I take your point on um, it not really being tried before. But don't we need something profoundly different, Asaf? Is that possible? whether that's possible? You sound very pessimistic, really. No, I mean, the scenario I painted uh, in the last question is ultimately optimistic if it works. I mean, um, but I don't know if it can work. I don't know if it can work. Um, we have a big problem in Israeli society, within the society, that we have two very different camps. And I don't know if even we can reach a place where we can go out with an offer for peace. I don't know if there are enough people. I hope there are more now. I hope this government will not stay in power. And um, a more uh, centrist government would replace it. But even that government, I don't know if we have the capacity within our society to go out and reach for, uh, for peace. Uh, and the same goes for the Palestinians. Yeah, I mean, given you, you, you use the phrase moderate Palestinians, I'm not entirely sure what you mean by that, but it, it, I'm guessing it will be almost impossible now to be, quote-unquote, a moderate Palestinian, given what's happening in Gaza, isn't it? No, I think that, I think that uh, eventually... I think most people, most human beings, they want to... They want to lead a, a peaceful, quiet life. They don't want to live to live in a war situation all their lives. They want don't want to have their kids in danger or themselves in danger or their friends and family and neighborhoods. Um, at the moment, it's it's you know the flames are very high and people are very angry and people are very vengeful and in that sense hamas did what he want, what they wanted to yeah, do yeah hamas is want. writing hamas is writing this story for better or worse they're yeah, the ones yeah, who yeah yeah and they're you know they're they're exactly where they wanted to be even the with these where... headlines about uh them maybe not uh wanting to negotiate um uh, yeah, Guardian uh, suspending hostage negotiations. They want equality, but in a sense, that's understandable, isn't it? Um, Hamas don't want Hamas don't want equality. Hamas wants uh, the destruction of Israel. I don't think Hamas is someone uh, to 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 reach this eventual. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, equality at the negotiation. 
Um, you've you've written that it must be very hard to be a novelist in in Israel these days, especially without avoiding politics. You've written and you've spoken about this. Language seems to be taking an odd detour these days. There's a, an ongoing debate about um, the from the what is it from the river to the sea, whether people should be allowed to say that, whether it's genocidal. What is the yeah. particular responsibility of writers and novelists like yourself, and perhaps maybe not so much Palestinian moderates, but Palestinian writers? When, especially when it comes yeah. to language and the way in this dispute, particularly in the West, is degenerated into kind of linguistic squabbling, linguistic warfare almost. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, uh, first, I don't, I don't feel, see myself in a place to tell, you know, Palestinian writers what, what, what to do and what to say, or Israeli writers. I, I think at the moment we're still so much in a state of shock that we have no words. Uh, but eventually we can be the ones that help put the words where, where there are no words at the moment and, and try to to describe and help uh, people uh, find, you know, find their way uh, in this in this whole terrible situation. Um, but I think again, I said before, I think the flames at the moment are too high for for um, to try and. Um, and achieve something now we we need to we need to wait and see we hopefully you know it's i i look at it as as you know shorter looking a few steps ahead um i do hope the operation in gaza will will finish as soon as possible they say few weeks, maybe a couple of months. I hope it won't be longer because, you know, our both Gazans are suffering, innocent Gazans, and, and our people are suffering. And we have uh, soldiers killed and I, you know, sons of my of friends are out there and I, I worry for them and for everyone. Um, so, I'm looking at it as, as you know, a step at a time. Let's get over this immediate uh, violence that, again, I, I, I think is unfortunately necessary to a point. But let's finish it uh, as soon as possible. Let's get the hostages back. Let's get rid of this government. So. At the moment, I'm not. I'm not. We're rid you know, of the net, and you mean the, the Hamas government yeah. or the Netanyahu government? Both, but uh, I I meant the Netanyahu government, our government. So I, you know, I look, I look at it as a step at a time. I don't see, I can't see myself or, or my fellow writers or the Palestinian writers as the, those who, with their language, are going to change history. And I never thought that writers. Are the ones who change history so far, but we can we can open eyes, we can uh, 
we can explain things, we can um, show or enable empathy and understanding and humanity. I think that's where our power is. Um, I'm not in taking uh, <clears throat> a more uh, front foot uh, role uh, in changing history. Final question, Asaf, I'm talking to you, of course, from the US. The whole situation in Israel-Palestine was created by the international community. It's been maintained or compounded, depending how you look at it, by the international community. What, what should be happening overseas to help make this a game changer? What would you like Americans in particular to be doing or thinking as we take these, in your words, baby steps towards trying to figure out how to try again and fix this problem? Yeah. I mean, some say that it's, that it's already in its basis, uh, an international conflict that Israel and Hamas are just proxies, right? you know, like playing uh, on the board for Iran, America, Russia. Uh, That's my so dirty on. washing thing, this sort of military dirty washing, uh, you know, that uh, everyone's using Israel one way or the other as a proxy for something else. Yeah. So when you're asking about the international involvement, so, you know, in a way it's already happening. But of course, the hope is, my hope at least, is that it will not deteriorate into a third world war or Iran versus the US or um, Hezbollah uh, entering the arena in a stronger way. They already have entered it, but it's not a fully fledged war uh, from the north. Uh, my, my only hope as, as an Israeli, as someone who's living here, is to, you know, to the international community, is do what you can to, to keep the flames low. And I think Biden has done it uh, from the first day. And, and, and I think that's what most leaders and people all over the world want uh, to um, to just keep it keep it uh, keep it down and um, and try to um, to stop us us both Israel Hamas Hezbollah all the actors on the ground stop us from uh, taking it uh, further and taking it further down um, because we had enough, I think we had enough pain in the last month and we need to start uh, rebuilding and restructuring. At least an attempt of a normal uh, life here.